0: Hello everyone. Uh it is the Insurgents, episode three, and it's uh Rob Rousseau here. Hey Rob Who is who am I speaking to? Who is this?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Besides hey, this
0: is Jordan We're gonna we're gonna work on the intro, okay? We're gonna work on the the intro banter. Eventually, people will get a sense of who is actually talking. When, we, when who
1: we... am I speaking to? What do you mean? No.
0: <laughs> well, I was I was needling you to say, "Hey, I'm Jordan Ewell. Like, what? Oh yeah. Come on. Jeez. Hi. <laughs> okay. What a disastrous beginning. But oh. Jordan, I gotta say, um, I'm feeling a little bit down right now. I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling pretty bad at the Why moment. Is that? Why? Well, you know, this is, it's going to be our Bloomberg episode. We spent a lot of time talking about Mike Bloomberg this week. And I, I mean, there's some good stuff in there, I think, but feeling a little guilty this morning because this morning, Mike Bloomberg put out a devastating ad on Twitter talking about the Bernie bros being mean to him. And it's just, you know, I, I try to, you know, do my journalism and, and try to be objective and try to just report the news as I see it, um, on this show. But uh, I, I got to say, I feel a little bit bad that Mike Bloomberg, the three-term mayor of New York City and uh, multi-billionaire many times over, who's currently trying to purchase the electoral process in the United States, I feel pretty bad about dogpiling him on Twitter. And I feel his Menshees are, I think, pretty ugly. And I don't know. It's are we are we contributing to toxic online behavior and abuse and harassment?
1: Uh I'm not. I'm actually a Bloomberg bro now, so um Uh <laughs> <laughs> um, He got oh, to yeah. you too. Yeah, dude, 150 bucks, come on, that's like uh, that's a nice meal. Yeah. Um Fair the, enough. The, the I'm not one the, to <laughs> No, you're holding out.
0: <laughs> yeah. You yeah, can't buy me that easily. I mean we'd start talking one hundred seventy five, one eighty, then you know, I'll start to
1: yeah, two hundred dollars is where you get Rob. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's an expensive guy. Every man has
0: a price, <laughs> and for Rob Rousseau, so it's it is two hundred dollars. So
1: that video is so funny though <laughs> because uh, also, it is great. It's like it's very clear that they did not blur David Cleon like very well. Um, yeah, at the beginning with his like kind of joking, I'm going to put centrists on a list tweet like. Oh my god! Like it just seems like they they <laughs> they they, 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 they kind of hung him out to dry at the beginning too.
0: And there's like this spooky music playing. To it. It's yeah. so yeah. funny. Oh my goodness!
1: Yeah. Uh, I Respect think- to
0: David Cleon. I don't think I don't think anyone has anything to worry be worry, I don't think anyone has anything to be worried about when it comes to David Cleon. He might send you. He might put you on like a, a Twitter list of people to you know pay no attention to. But I think that's the only list that you need to be worried about getting put on
1: right uh, in that circumstance harmless
0: Yeah, but yeah, this is is. just
1: kind of scare tactics from the Bloomberg campaign and it feeds into this overall narrative Which we talk a little bit about uh, in our interviews later Um, But it's who cares man like just log off and trying to drum this up into something. It's not uh, It's just kind of a waste of everyone's time because the vast majority of people have no idea what happens on Twitter Um, You hear this phrase thrown around a lot Like Twitter isn't real life To some extent sure it is But like when it it comes down to this kind of stuff This inside baseball type aspects of of Twitter uh, Most voters have no idea what's going on And don't care Um, And that video if you were to go offline And show someone that video They would have no idea what they're looking at
0: well, and even the idea that Bloomberg says, like, is this the kind of energy that's going to defeat Donald Trump? And it's like,
1: yeah,
0: and it's like, oh, sorry. It, even in the video, it says, you know, is this the kind of energy that's going to defeat Donald Trump? And it's like, yes, yes, that's the exact kind of energy that's going to defeat Donald Trump.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> So we- I
0: don't see what the we- issue is.
1: We had news cycle after news cycle of like Trump's online army and how like to, to and they claim they memed him president like this is you want like a fiery passionate supporter base and sure I think there are instances where people are just go a little too far like I don't think you need to be screaming at like Fred Gutenberg um, or or anything like that but just like a lot of the shit just like joking around and just random people just just fucking around online. Like, they're allowed to do that. Like, you don't need to turn this into a campaign thing. Like, you're just... They're handpicking random people. We have no idea who they are, how many followers they have, and just screenshotting them and compiling them to make it look worse. Like just, that's a waste of everyone's yeah. time. But also, like the energy that's not going to beat Trump is a a, a multi-billionaire who was a Republican ten years ago, spoke at the 2004 uh, RNC on behalf of George Bush, has harassed dozens of women and has forced them into silence through non-disclosure agreements, uh, and ran a, a an explicitly racist police policy in New York City. That's the energy that will not be Donald Trump.
0: Yeah. So, according to Michael Bloomberg, uh, harassing women in the workplace, yes. Uh, harassing people of color in the streets by your like militarized authoritarian police force, yes. Uh, harassing me via Twitter, no. That's a big no-no from from Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> anyway, do you just want to explain uh, who we have on today to talk about this? Uh, talk about all this stuff because we have a really great show coming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we have. Um depending on the order in which rob edits this we have amy brown uh who you you may know from from twitter she has previously worked uh on the sire need to impeach uh campaign um she ran the wendy's twitter account for a very long time and has been open about how brands kind of develop uh, campaigns and narratives online uh, it's through her experience And she is, you know, kind of leading the charge uh, Against Bloomberg uh, And using some of her skills to do so So she talks about that uh, And also his astroturfing We get into his astroturfing of his campaign We also have Benjamin Dixon uh, Podcaster um, Pundit uh, Who discovered Some of these heinous Bloomberg Videos from, from years ago That no one else had really dug up so um benjamin has joined us to talk about bloomberg's comments on redlining bloomberg's comments on stop and frisk and racial profiling uh and and the need and importance to vet michael bloomberg and dig into his past statements uh so a really good conversation there really good conversation with amy uh with overall pretty strong episode on, on bloomberg himself and his campaign so we, we hope you enjoy
0: Yeah, his candidacy is going to be finished after this. Finished. So, Jordan, before they come on, before Amy and Benjamin come on, uh, I do just want to remind everyone to please subscribe over on Substack. That's theinsurgents.substack.com. Um, to the newsletter we just released the second uh, edition of the newsletter last night but another thing i just wanted to mention is that we have been getting some great reviews over on um, apple podcasts and so if you listen to the show on apple podcasts please do not hesitate to leave a review jordan did you have any you wanted to uh you wanted to talk about specifically
1: uh i've got some bad ones um so yeah like rob said we're getting uh, a lot of good reviews on uh, iTunes. A couple bad ones that we want to uh, single out. Uh, this one here from Reese's PCs twenty-three on February twenty or February fifteenth, with the title "Bring Back Ken." Uh, sorry, can't do that. Ken is banned, uh, lifetime ban from the show. <laughs> Uh, on Fe- Fe- February thirteenth, I've got one here that says, "Make Ken a permanent host." Uh, can't do that. Sorry, he is banned uh, full time. Uh, in that comment, it says, "Bring Ken on full time." Dude is hilarious. Sorry, like I said, lifetime ban. Uh, not allowed to to bring him on. So we we put a, we put a warning out on a, on our Twitter account. We're very happy people are reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, but please, in the future, do not make inflammatory statements about banned former guests like this, or they may be subject to moderation. Someone commented on, on February 16th on Apple. Uh, Ken Klippenstein's in it, is the name of the title. Uh, would give six stars if possible. Again, he was in it. Lifetime ban. No more.
0: Yes, yes. Please, no more reviews uh, featuring any mention of he who shall not be named. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, He won't be coming back on the program. So if we could just cut that out, that would be great. Hey, by the way, just an FYI, everyone, I'm actually home right now with my son who is sick. Uh, so he's not going to daycare today. And he's currently like climbing all over me. So I am trying to record this intro in a coherent way uh, while he while he does that.
1: Uh, yeah, Rob is dealing with his sick kid. So we're going to let's just go right to the interviews and we'll we'll talk to Amy and Benjamin.
0: Do you want to say um we'll be back right after
1: this? We'll be back after this. <laughs> We're joined by Amy Brown, a social media extraordinaire and, and chief cyber bullying officer <laughs> of the Stop Michael Bloomberg campaign. Amy, thanks for joining us. Oh,
2: thanks for having me.
1: Uh, so, Amy, we uh, we were talking before we got on mic. Um, Michael Bloomberg is running this AstroTurf digital social media campaign where they're paying influencers, most notably, The worst people you could ever think of on Instagram, like the fuck Jerry's of the, of the Instagram world, just insane amounts of money to do these posts that are somewhat self-aware, uh, to make him look cool and to grow his, his page and to reach new people. Um, you know, could you want to take like a second and tell, the uh, The listeners, like, you know, who you are, but also why you're qualified to talk about this and why you, of all people, should be leading the cyberbullying effort to get him to stop.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I worked for four and a half years um, leading social media for Wendy's. I've also worked in another, um, like, various other Applications of that I worked for Postmates. I currently work in tech and um, for almost a year. I worked um, For various functions under Tom Steyer including for a brief while on his presidential campaign so I do have Experience in running social and digital media for political purposes, which is why I feel comfortable in saying um, This is gross and wildly unethical Um <laughs> And it really disturbed me to see Facebook just saying like, "Oh yeah, this is cool. Um, we've never seen this before, but we're fine with it." Um, especially coming off of all of the all of the trouble they got in in 2016 with kind of Cambridge Analytica and sort of these, um, I don't know. Just knowing that they know that their platform has a problem, and then seeing something that's never been done before that's in sort of a gray area that could use regulation and deciding not to regulate it um yeah i'm just very troubled by all of it
0: um, pretty par for the course for them
2: yeah <laughs> like, yeah they're they're like, wait so we understand we're it. still gonna be getting
0: <laughs> money from this okay well then whatever you do is fine that's okay. yeah exactly
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah it, this is just like so i was thinking earlier um about how so they're paying these I, I had seen rumors maybe you know a little bit more i had seen some rumors that people are getting paid like Twenty five thousand dollars a post on instagram if they're like a mega account um like the tank sinatras or white people humor or whatever like those (laughs) those like fuck jerry connected accounts are uh plus there's this huge like organization that they're they're building out of the fuck jerry brand which is like a multi-million dollar effort um very just seems yeah it's just like like that's not when we when we compare to like you guys remember um the, the Bernie Sanders dank meme stash in 2016 on Facebook like yeah. just the the open free weird Facebook group that just spawned all of these bizarre memes I just remember they just took over my feed in 2016 um, and that just felt like you know everyone was part of something bigger than themselves everyone was there because they wanted to be it was organic it was authentic but here it's just like they're trying to do that but just just force it down everyone's throats and it's just like the, every punchline for these memes is just like i'm michael bloomberg and i have a ton of money and just everyone in their in these fake conversations are like okay sure yeah totally
0: well it really it reminds me I, I, of the whole the way brands do this where there's this kind of ironic uh distance from it like we're creating this kind of awkward ironic character around bloomberg and the fact that he's buying uh the buying democracy essentially and turning that into totally. kind of the punchline it's very yeah, black mirror it's very disturbing yeah.
2: They've they've definitely tried to just straight up lift, like, a brand marketing tactic for a presidential campaign, which, I mean, legally they can do at this point, but I think the problem is they didn't stop, or maybe they did stop to think about whether they should do it and just decided that, I mean, like, fuck it, let's do it. Um, but, like, I think that's the question, right? Like, they can do it, but should they be doing it? And obviously, like, I don't think they should be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super creepy. And they've a- also... All these larger meme accounts that they've sort of targeted are the ones that are known for um, sort of behaving unethically in the past and having having made their money and their following from ripping... Content from other people yes. and sort of wiping the original source clean and then reposting it as if it was their own. So it's sort of this idea that he's not only doing this unethical thing, but also working with like fuck Jerry was the main account that was involved in all the firefest shit. And it's just <laughs> sort of like why do we why do we want all of this wrapped up with our presiden- presidential politics? Shouldn't there be a higher bar for? I mean, like Kim Kardashian got in trouble a couple of years ago for posting something about like a morning sickness pill. And it feels like if we're regulating, if we're regulating drugs and influencer marketing, there should be some regulation around political advertising and influencer marketing. And it's weird to me that there's not. What
0: was the, what was the Instagram influencer that actually said no to this? was who oh was it that? was
2: the fat it was the fat jew which is like <laughs> yes he's is, he's is also terrible it's, yeah. it's yeah. literally that onion article where it's like the worst person you know just made a great point but yeah. like um no
0: i was gonna say it's it's like, really good it's a good it's a healthy sign for uh, america's democracy that the fat jew on instagram has like more <laughs> integrity than the mayors of like a bunch of major cities in america yeah. who are just like oh yeah i love bloomberg yeah. love that guy or the it Center for American something. Progress, for that matter.
1: Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, the it just shows fat, the fat Jewish has
0: more political integrity than near a tendon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that something? What yeah, a world! Guy... What, is, what a sentence! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was like plagiarizing. I remember he was like plagiarizing all of his jokes, and he he had that show.
0: <clears throat>
1: Sorry, I coughed again. He had that. He had that show on Comedy Central for like a week before they canned it because everyone was calling him out for for plagiarizing yeah. so when that's the guy who's like yeah no way i'm not touching this like that's <laughs> that's that's, that's the arbiter great. of a <laughs> yeah right <laughs> unbelievable um but everyone you know everyone's got a price everyone is willing to just just say and do whatever in politics at a for a certain amount but that's also on the on the micro influencer side which are these ten thousand to hundred thousand follower accounts bloomberg's been Uh, reaching out to them for $150 a post. And that's really, I'm starting to see people that I know and I've worked with and who I know to be good people who uh, don't like racism, don't like systemic racism in society, um, but are now having to turn a blind eye to it because Bloomberg is paying them. But it speaks to how, on a smaller level, he's preying on people's desperation. He's preying yeah. on their financial instability and their just desperation or, or willingness to want to get ahead in politics or in their professional lives. Um, and that's really sad to me because, um, I know a lot of good people who are considering taking jobs with him just because it's just the best paying game oh, in yeah. town and that's just really really sad that that he it's a system so ripe for exploitation and this isn't a one-off thing this is going to be the model that every other billionaire can follow
2: no i i know someone who had who turned down a job on his campaign and they told me it was very hard to say no to that amount of money and i i believe them i mean yeah. i'm sure, sure it was and i think it really, it distresses me that this is one step removed from paying people to vote for you, right? Like, it's... Mm-hmm. And, and that it essentially is, is what it is. Yeah. I a mean, roundabout way. And it's also, it's preying on low information voters. It's sort of this astroturfing, which is what this is, right? It's paying people to feign their support for you, really does prey on people who might get their information from Instagram, which... I mean, even if you don't think that's a great way to get your information, like there are, I don't know, it just, it seems, it seems there like there are definitely many people
0: that do get their information that way. Yeah, like, it just, it Instagram seems like, like he's
2: intentionally stuff. preying on people who don't have that much information. Um, I don't know. All, all of it seems a little bit evil.
0: Oh, it's very evil. I mean, that's, it's like the logical end point of the whole like money and politics conversation. And this is a conversation that's been going on in the United States for like a long time now, especially in the kind of post citizens United world. Um, And it's just the end point of that. And now it's just like you have billionaires, like, like, first of all, like Trump, but now like Bloomberg saying, oh, I can just skip this entire middleman and just fund myself uh, basically just like buy media influence. Um or like what Bloomberg is doing is like unprecedented, it's like skipping the early primary states, dumping an unprecedented just vast sums of money into advertising in these Super Tuesday states, and you're seeing like the more money puts in, the higher his poll numbers are going up. It's like it's really, really sinister.
2: Yeah, I guess I just I'm my hope coming out of this is that we will see some more meaningful regulation around influencer marketing in general maybe not just in relation to politics cuz i do think it is this kind of gross gray area where on like on one end there are there are people and companies working together where like maybe it's a person who really is just like enthusiastic about something a brand is selling like like some clothing company i follow that has very inclusive sizing has a lot of like really people who are really eager to work with them but then on the other hand it's like there are a lot of people just shilling like laxative teas that make you shit a lot and like vitamins <laughs> that don't really do anything and like why are we using that tactic to elect a president i just i it yeah it upsets me and it may it upsets me even more to think that like i have at somewhere along the way i have been like a hand in making this happen um i don't know I, it it really makes me think a lot about like the ethics of marketing and advertising and sort of what are we, what what are we doing?
0: Right. Yeah. And by the way, before we continue, I do just have to mention that this episode of the insurgents is brought to you by brain force, the insurgents (laughs) special nootropic uh, mix that we've put together, uh, heightens brain function, increases all sorts of, uh, abilities, memory, concentration all kinds of good stuff we're going to have a link to that at the end of the episode uh, de- yeah, in it's the good. in the
1: description shop.theinsurgents.com <laughs> 99 dollars a bottle your wife will come back if you take it You <laughs> guarantee it <laughs>
0: um, okay sorry did i did you did you two see that post i did actually where i was like doing a parody of the bloomberg influencer post where i had like a hidden message um, yeah, help me in the post and just no one got it I, sh- I, I got thought it. I was being really clever and just people were like mad at me All kinds of people were people, like pro bloomberg people were sharing it and I was like, oh man This this <laughs> joke oh, no. did not go over the way. I thought it was
1: going to I'm sorry, Rob. I got it. It was funny <laughs> Oh, but on the uh, the ethics of uh, you were mentioning the ethics of Influencer marketing and, and how that intersects with politics. I think a lot of this also comes back on the platform itself yeah, like it, this is you know part of it's going to be on the FEC, um, but you know other other aspects of it are, I mean Twitter just completely abandoned political advertising, which I think is smart. Just like you know what, it's going to be too complicated. Just, just forget it. Conversations are better on here when they're authentic anyway. So we're not going to do any. Um, Facebook is just fighting tooth and nail to prevent any sort of oversight or regulation. Yes, because it's all about money for them, I and mean, there's a huge comp They're a huge company. They're trying to. I mean, they're encroaching, if not already, a monopoly in the digital space. And they're just trying to... Oh, I said they crossed that um, line a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: Well, if you think about it, if you think about any other company in Silicon Valley, they're all so anti-regulation. Their whole their their whole sort of mindset is to kind of break things and then ask forgiveness as opposed to asking permission. Like, you look at how Uber operated. they're They're sort of, they're comfortable very much with, like... Breaking the law and then saying like, "Oops," so I right, yeah,
1: yeah. So it's 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 on the legislators to you know start to hold their feet to the fire and start to talk about regulation. But part the problem is a lot of these people are old. A lot of people in Congress are old and don't understand. And another part is they want to exploit this problem because it helps them get reelected. Um, so we don't have anyone in power who would be willing to actually do this. Um Out of selfless reasons, uh, maybe that person is Bernie,
2: maybe
0: <laughs> yeah, and interestingly enough, like he's the one that has so much social reach that's not astroturf like it's it's he has right. that kind of reach because people are so passionate about it and because people feel like they can use social media in order to like assist or help or help help share these ideas or being or make these these ideas kind of more popular in popular culture. That's the kind of fascinating thing about it is everyone's kind of trying to replicate the kind of engagement he gets or the engagement Trump gets for for that matter, because he obviously has kind of the, a similar sort of reach, uh, especially on Twitter. Um, and everyone's kind of just like struggling to find ways to catch up to that, that don't involve them actually like changing their ideas or changing their approach in any way that would maybe make people more comfortable, you know, going online and and making, you know, Amy Klobuchar memes or whatever. <laughs>
2: That's what frustrates me so much about the conversations I'm seeing around Bloomberg is this idea that like he can he can win over Trump voters. And it's sort of like I I don't understand why we're trying to do that when we have a candidate who it's clear energizes people who are already willing to vote for a Democrat who don't think that like any I don't know. I just I don't not like that. Not like
0: not like that. (laughs)
2: I, I don't see the value in chasing down people who think any negative, negative story about the president is a lie, right? Like that seems like a lot more work than getting behind the candidate who is already inspiring people to do these things on their own. And I just, it feels like such mental gymnastics to be like, what we actually need is a guy who looks a lot like Trump, because that's how we beat Trump. I don't know. It's, it's making my brain hurt.
1: Um. Yeah, so when I think about the uh, the race in, in Georgia in 2017, uh, I can't remember that guy's name, but it was like the special election to fill the seat oh, yeah. left by Tom Price. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was like the, that really boring white guy and he was running on things like, we're going to bring more data centers to outside Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like he was trying to run as a moderate or a Republican to kind of court those voters. But it's like, this is the thing. They're not gonna come to your side when they can just vote for the real thing. Like they're not gonna vote for Bloomberg if they can just vote for Trump. Like they, it's like yeah. there's not too there's not too big of a difference between the two. They're both horrible. Um, but if you're like that heinous and you want a a a, a an actual Republican platform, you're just gonna vote for the real thing. You're not gonna switch parties.
2: Well, I mean, I don't understand not, this calculation. Especially not after you spent the last three years like hooked up to news media that's telling you that Democrats want to like murder babies after they're born. <laughs> yeah. <And I> just... <laughs>
1: right. That you get on Facebook. That's shit you get on Facebook.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah. in fact, Bloomberg would be the absolute worst person in that way to appeal to those people considering some of the statements that he's made. Oh my God. Uh, about that subject that have come out over the last couple of weeks.
2: He told a lady to kill a baby, right? Like, or, or, kill uh, it or it. Like yeah. That. yeah, yeah. Great. Like he straight up just really told lovely. her to kill it. Like,
0: Lovely guy.
2: <laughs> I'm sure that and
1: will go well. On top of that, he literally wants to take their guns. Like that's and the one so thing. Bad. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> why would you ever vote for this guy?
0: Yeah, that's the that's the funny thing where it's just like, well, you can't, you can, you know, Bloomberg can be Trump, but like that, just just that in and of itself, I think is ridiculous. Like, I think if he ended up purchasing the nomination for himself and actually running against Trump, I feel like he would get absolutely. Demolished, and that's why I think, uh, like Bloomberg, is, his goal is not even to become the president; it's just to ensure that Bernie Sanders doesn't become the president.
2: No, I, th- I, I, the county that I'm from went seventy percent for Trump in 2016, and I just i I think about them, and like I don't know how Bernie would do there, but I can tell you right now how Bloomberg would do there, <laughs> and I'm just it, it's pitiful. I, yeah. Well, so that's, a,
0: I mean, it's a good way to get into your, the campaign you're working on right now, <laughs> which is the cyberbully Mike Bloomberg campaign. Do you want to, do you want to just explain what you were kind of hoping to accomplish by kicking that off?
2: Yeah. So I just, I, I made a little picture that says drop out Mike Bloomberg. Um, I think it's kind of cute. The, uh, the, the O's in Bloomberg make like little glasses over his face. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I I just started tweeting it at him when he would tweet because I just I want him to drop out for like lots of reasons that I previously mentioned. Also, because I live in the Bay Area now and I am seeing just a lot of really I don't really participate in tech Twitter because I don't really have a lot in common with like. VCs and stuff like that, but I am seeing a lot of sentiment from people who are like, oh, I'm 100% for Bloomberg, which just really... Yeah, it's... I don't get it, but I just... I think his presence in the race is harmful, Um, and I think a lot of people have backwards ideas about, like, his usefulness. I keep... People keep telling me that, like, it is actually helpful that he's running ads bashing Trump, which, again, I just... I don't think that if you've like we all know Trump sucks. So I don't know why yeah. Michael Bloomberg telling you Trump sucks is going to be any more effective.
0: Well, and there cuz there's different ways of messaging that, right? You have what Bloomberg's saying is the uh, what everything what everyone says about Trump, you know, he's mean, he's uh, he's cruel. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's orange, he's got small hands and stuff. And then you have the 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 Bernie approach to talking about Trump, which is calling him out for lying to people about preserving things like social security and medicare and, and not cutting entitlements and the fact that it, for he was able to do this kind of fake economic populist message that did kind of work to a certain extent um and bernie is kind of like going the approach of calling him out of all those things that he promised that he wouldn't do and and exposing the fact that he was lying about that and like so that's i think it's something that's possibly effective that could possibly um uh cause people to maybe go back on supporting him who did, uh, in, in 2016, uh, because of that exact reason that they've been kind of left behind by the economic consensus yeah. of both parties. Um, but just saying, yeah, like, oh, he's mean, uh, he, he, oh, yeah. you know, he's whatever, there, whatever bullshit Bloomberg saying, that's not going to convince him. There's, anybody.
2: there's some Facebook ad I saw that he's running in California about, it's like a series of ads about how all these famous people have like. Trump tweets so many more times per day than Justin Bieber. And it's just like, what's the point of this? I don't
0: <laughs> <It's>
2: like <nailed laughs> That's him. the most,
0: like the 2010 ass uh, <laughs> comparison you can imagine.
2: But it got me thinking about how, like when Howard Schultz was going to run for president and then nobody wanted it. So he dropped out. And so like what it, Maybe if we just make it very, very clear, like, clearly there are some people who want Mike Bloomberg for president, but if we just all make it very clear that, like, no, we don't want this, because all all he's really going on right now is polling. He hasn't been on a ballot yet, um, and we all know how reliable polling is, so maybe if we all just make it very clear that, like, we really don't want this, he'll reconsider, which, like, I know probably won't happen, but... I just I like the idea of him him tweeting and it not being receptive. Well,
0: it, it, it honestly it is. It's going to be a really interesting test as to whether Twitter really does matter or not, um, because you mentioned Howard Schultz. And I, I fully, firmly believe that we bully cyber bullied Howard no. Schultz out of <laughs> running for president. Like I, I 100 percent believe that. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see whether we can have that kind of same effect on on Bloomberg's campaign.
2: No, like I think if Howard Schultz hadn't come on Twitter and gotten ratioed on every single tweet, he probably would have stayed in the race a little bit longer. Um, So I think it's worth it's worth thinking about if we if we make it clearer that we're not okay with what Bloomberg's doing, maybe maybe he'll go away faster. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, there was... um, some guy reacted very strongly to the, my use of the word cyberbully. He tried to get me in trouble at work, um, so that was really fun. Uh, <laughs> won't that. somebody think yeah. of poor Mike Bloomberg getting oh, sad because yeah. I made a picture. Yeah.
0: The guy can't seem to catch a break. <laughs>
1: <laughs> your, their tweets were funny because you were pointing out, like, as people were tagging your employer on Twitter, they were effectively just tagging you oh, because yeah. you run the company account. Well,
2: because I... I didn't see it come through my mentions because i have my twitter's garbage so i have my mentions pretty locked down but um Mm -hmm. i saw it come through my work monitoring because i'm the social media manager and i was like oh he just (laughs) he tattled to me about me
1: (laughs) well did you fire yourself
2: (laughs) um i've i've given myself a very a very stern talking to okay
1: all right cool I hope you learned your lesson.
0: I don't know if either of you saw my my Bloomberg slogan that I was work workshopping, but I was it's part of the, it's part of your cyberbullying campaign, Amy. Uh, but I said in in uh, a conversation, I think with with Ken Clippenstein, who is banned from the show, unfortunately. <laughs> lifetime banned. Um, yeah, unf- it's unfortunate, but we don't need to get into it. But I said. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he might be a billionaire racist sexual predator, but he's our billionaire racist sexual oh, predator. I think there's something. And to um, that. someone made that into like a kind of a campaign meme thing. So I've been every time Bloomberg tweets, I've been posting that under his uh, uh, under his uh, tweets as well. Thank you for
2: your which service.
0: Has been a lot of people have been seeing that, but it's all part, it's all part of this interesting experiment to see whether we actually whether we're just messing around on Twitter and ad- accomplishing nothing, or whether people are actually paying attention. Because uh, I do I do believe that. There is kind of like a sort of a Democrat consultant type person who are really obsessed with Twitter and what happens there and what happens with ratioing and all that stuff. Whether And I think that ha- has had impact on other candidates' campaigns like Howard Schultz, like Kamala Harris is another example. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see whether that same class or they're, they're going to fall for it this time with Bloomberg or whether he's just not even paying any attention to that stuff.
2: Yeah, I... I kind of get the feeling that the Bloomberg campaign is of the mindset that, like, Twitter's not real life. It's not representative of, like, they're going to – maybe they'll just write it off as, like, this is this is not our base. It's just Bernie bros being mean. Um, I can already – I, I – um, I got accused of being a Bernie supporter so immediately for for just saying I didn't like Bloomberg, which was hysterical to me because I've like I've not actually been super public about who I'm supporting in 2020, even though it is Bernie. But just the idea that like if I don't like Bloomberg, I must like Bernie was like hysterical to me. Um, yeah. But I think I think they're gonna find ways to sort of easily write off the criticism. Um, I don't know, but I. I, don't really, I also don't really know what else to do. <laughs> I would just say that for anyone that still says
0: Twitter is not real life, I've got a couple of words for you, and that is, you worked for a company that was fixing bread prices. <laughs> Which, I mean, that got brought up in a New York Times uh, uh, endorsement interview, and that fully started on Twitter.com with like Canadian shit posters, and that became a very real thing that Pete got questioned about. Uh, on in, in in the endorsement interview with the New York
1: Times, that phrase only gets thrown thrown around if it stands to help, like Sanders. Yeah, like because people will acknowledge the the size and scope of his online support, but they'll dismiss them when it comes to voting. Yeah. They'll only they'll only use it if, if it stands to hurt him. When it's just like the stories we're seeing now, it's like why won't Bernie uh, condemn his his supporters? Like why won't Bernie? Uh, personally condemn the way I, a, a reporter making six figures for the new york times in being treated on twitter he has to yeah. condemn this
0: bernie why will you not condemn uh assbutt69 <laughs> who sent me a, a picture of a pig with with poop on its testicles oh
1: like, outrageous <laughs> like why why is bernie sanders not holding a press conference about this immediately <laughs> Amy, uh, thank you th- so much for, for spending your time on this lovely Saturday talking about cyberbullying oh, with yeah. us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having uh, me. We greatly appreciate it. Where can people find you and uh, your campaign um, online?
2: I am at Arb, A-R-B, on Twitter. Um, feel free to awesome. at me unless you're screaming, in which case please don't. Um, <laughs> but, yes, um, and please feel free to, to make your own picture for Michael Bloomberg.
0: Great. Well, you're welcome to come back anytime, Amy. Oh, yeah. Thanks again.
2: Absolutely. This was fun.
0: Okay. So uh, now we're here with Benjamin Dixon. Benjamin, how's it going? It's going wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, it's a pleasure. You have had uh, pretty interesting week or so
3: (laughs) yeah yeah it's been a. um all things considered considering the video or rather the audio fell into my lap and i honestly did not i i honestly slept on it for about four hours um i wasn't going to do anything more than include it in my podcast so considering all that it turned out to be one hell of a week
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this is probably familiar with what you're talking about, but you just want to describe uh, this this audio that you found and and what the result was when you
3: when you started sharing it online. So, yeah, like the long, short version of it is I wanted to turn my podcast uh, focus onto Michael Bloomberg up until that point. I had had a laser like focus on um, Pete Buttigieg uh, as a threat, um, the centrist threat, the moderate threat to stop Bernie Sanders. Uh, and so last Friday, I was like, you know what? I think all of us are really uh, underestimating the game plan from Michael Bloomberg. And um, so Monday, I started my day as normal, jumped online to find some audios that I can include in the podcast. And I stumbled into an article that let me know that there was, some, there was a speech, that there was a speech that he gave that uh, conservatives, I first, you know, thanks to Dana Loesch who actually helped me find this. Dana Loesch did an NRA piece. Or rather, she did a piece for the blaze five years ago, centering that video from Aspen on the fact that Michael Bloomberg was saying racist things to stop men, black men, from getting their Second Amendment right. And so it was a conservative spin to it. And that's the first thing I saw. I'm like, OK, so there's a racist speech out here. Here's a conservative spin. So I just started digging a little digger and deeper. And of course, when we say dig, I'm Googling so that there's no investigative research here. It's just basic Google. Uh, So I Googled two more times and what I did, um, Dana Loesch didn't have the audio or the video. She just had a transcript. So I typed in the words from the transcript. Here's an article she was using from Aspen Times. Aspen Times, um, turns out Aspen Times did have a link to the audio there. I didn't see it because I'm preparing for my podcast. I just did another Google, um, this time a YouTube search and boom, there was this audio and uh, it was it was longer. And so I cut it down. Um, edited it enough to, um, just do some production value, right? So it could be more audible. if you hear the original, it's really hard to hear what he says. So I took a little time, cleaned it up in my audio software, packaged it up, did the transcript, put a slideshow to it and pushed it out to the audience. And, um, That was when I kind of, I had the feeling that this was important because here he was making the case, the logical, in his mind, the logical case for stop and frisk, which was send all the cops to the minority community. Why are we sending them there? Because that's where all the crime is.
0: Yeah. Just basically saying racial profiling. I love it. It's good. It works. I approve of it. That's what stop and frisk is. It is indeed (laughs) racial profiling (laughs) and I like it and I support that. Exactly. (laughs)
3: Exactly. And what's bad about it is that, uh, fellas, I was just I honestly I'm so I'm so dead on the inside from doing this for six years every day that (laughs) I was just going to let it. I was just going to put in my podcast and keep rolling. I left left this house and, you know, I do my podcast from my home office and uh, which is you know another (laughs) translation for my bedroom. But anyway, (laughs) uh, I went to the city downtown to do some video work. I'm working on this video for African-American supporters for Bernie Sanders and I'm downtown Atlanta just, you know, Doing doing my thing, not even really thinking about the video, but then it just hit me. It hit me. I'm like, holy shit, this is important. I might be dead on the inside, but there was something enough in me to go back home <laughs> and spend about an hour and a half um, finding the video, editing it, putting the slideshow together, doing writing up the transcripts. And then um, then it took about four hours of, of sharing it with people and everyone I knew to actually get it going.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that took off. And we saw... I mean it it's spread far and wide and people couldn't ignore it anymore cuz I think a lot right. of the, the problem with with Bloomberg's candidacy is because his his media uh, and advertising apparatus is so pervasive uh and and now we're seeing networks uh relying on his his advertising uh, money so they're 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 kind of handling him with with kid gloves they're, it's it's a lot gentler with him than than you see with Sanders or or other candidates um, but this they couldn't ignore it any longer and it even got to a special between uh the segments monologue from yeah. Trevor Noah on on Daily Show so everybody is talking about this clip because yeah. you were one of the people who who went out of your way to track down Uh, These things that he said, but it really shows and highlights something that they've been saying about Bernie, but it's actually true about Bloomberg is Michael Bloomberg has not been vetted. He has not (laughs) been vetted like any other candidate. And
3: every single day, it seems like another one of these clips comes out. Yeah, I think that's well, the most amazing thing about this, right? There's there's so many levels of hypocrisy um, that you see in terms of what they actually say about Bernie and what's actually happening with the other candidates. So, right, the first one is he's not vetted. There's so many things. If I was able to find this literally with 30 minutes worth of research, right, To um, and, oh. and again, I want to be clear, when I say research, I mean Googling, <laughs> yeah. right? right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we kind of conflate the two, uh, but 30 minutes, I found this, and then the floodgates open. There are so many clips out there that, and and, and here's the thing about Bloomberg, this is why he's uniquely designed to lose, is that he has the same exact problems of Donald Trump, but here's the thing, Donald Trump's audience is motivated by the hypocrisy. They will love Mm -hmm. to see him call Michael Bloomberg a racist when they know he himself is a racist. That doesn't depress his turnout. On our side of the equation, if Donald Trump is calling Michael Bloomberg a racist and then, hell, they're the receipts. He is a racist. That's going to suppress our turnout significantly. So that's the difference. That's the asymmetrical fight that we're in coming up.
0: Right. Well, yeah. And it's interesting, too, because Bloomberg obviously knows that in order to have the impact that he wants to have, he needs to appeal to Black voters. And he's obviously aware that his history with stop and frisk is an issue that's going to prevent him from connecting with these voters. So he kind of tried to get ahead of this and he's saying, oh, I apologize for it. I didn't realize he's kind of doing that whole routine now and hoping and just, I guess, expecting that once he just said that, then that's the end of it and it's fine. Uh, but it's obvious. It's like blatantly obvious to everyone that he's only saying that now that he's running for president because this clip from from the that you shared it wasn't from you know ten years ago or wasn't from this right. ancient era. It was like a few years ago.
3: Yeah, it was just like, I mean, his first apology for this was Jim. December of 2019 right just what three months ago and he went to a church in um, Brooklyn I I believe it's called the Christian Cultural Center but I do know for sure that the pastor's name is A.R. Bernard I'm heavy in the church kind of cuss a whole lot smoke a little weed (laughs) now and then but I'd go to church a lot enough to know this pastor and I knew the moment that I saw that (laughs) I'm stupid I'm also really stupid guys um I knew when I saw that that was the play (laughs) <laughs> right, that that was the play. That's what he was going to do. And so the thing about it here's the hypocrisy of it. That was December of 2019. In January of 2019 was the last time he publicly actually defended stop and frisk. Right. So he did not apologize until it was time for him to run for the presidency of the United States. And yet his p- apology is still not equal to the depth of thought and time he took cultivating that worldview so here's the difference that article from the aspen times has been out there for five years right but when you actually hear the audio you hear how methodical he is in his thought processes right you hear that this is his rationale this is his worldview and this is his governing philosophy and you're you you cannot tell me that either one of his apologies the one in december or the one he just gave the other day are commensurate with the amount of time and thoughtfulness he put into creating this bigoted worldview that harmed hundreds of thousands, millions of New Yorkers, it, they just don't match up. If his worldview about stop and frisk, justifying it in the bigoted way that he did, if that was a notion, then his apology is a cup of water.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If We're seeing so we're seeing you, you talked about um, how how nuanced and, and deliberate he was in his thought process for this policy and another clip that came out this week uh and it seems like he made this case a a couple different times uh he blamed the financial collapse on the lack of redlining (sighs) um in bank lending uh and 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 mortgages and you know we we know that to be a a a a systemic uh racist policy that has Mm. led to widening divides um, that has led to uh, disparate um, uh, education application and we've seen we're seeing um, black and brown people deal uh, are, are forced to attend uh, lower performing schools because property taxes uh, the school funding is hinged to property taxes and property taxes uh, in neighborhoods that were historically redlined um, are much lower because of lower uh, you know, lower social services, uh, lower attention from politicians. And this problem was, was aggravated, yeah. if not entirely created by redlining. Yeah. And this is the policy that Michael Bloomberg says, if only we had that, <laughs> then we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have had the financial
3: collapse, which is so fucking galling. It, it, yeah. It's uh, just real quick on that. That is another thing. So wh- every video that comes out, every bit of audio that comes out, we see several things. We see his worldview, Right. We see what he believes about a particular group, what he thinks about that um, a a particular uh, echelon in society. What does he think about poor people? What does he think about minorities? Right. You see his general disposition towards them. But then the second thing that you see in each of these videos or these audio clips is his governing philosophy. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing that bothers me the most for a person who's running for the president of the United States to not have been vetted. Because his his governing philosophy in each of these instances, like you said, redlining, his governing philosophy was to use the power of the government to suppress a particular group of people from participating in the mortgage industry. I mean, in the housing sector, um, because he feels like they were bad with their credit or their income. Right. And then you go to the sugar tax for the soda tax. He wanted to use the force of the government to control the behaviors of impoverished people because that's the only way we can get them to behave, right? There's audio to that. There's video to that. And then the clip that I found, the way he wants to address... um crime or violence is by bringing in more violence, bringing in state violence, instead of addressing the underlying reasons that we see that there's violence, wherever there's poverty, there's a direct correlation to violence. He doesn't want to address, he doesn't want to use the force of the government to to address the economic factors that lead to violence. He wants to send in the stormtroopers to suppress the violence. So in each instance you see his governing philosophy at play and yet as authoritarian leaning as his tendencies are with the force of government we haven't had that conversation from a single journalist from a single debate anywhere he's just riding free because he has enough money to do so
0: well it should be terrifying too because the ways he's, because he's talked a lot about gun control which is something that you know people on the left should be talking about because there obviously is a massive proliferation of guns in the United States that causes a lot of violence uh, but when you see, um, you know, Bloomberg, his comments about gun control and what he thinks uh, the law should be about that and combine that with the way the NYPD, uh, enacted those kind of policies in new york city you can imagine what that might look like on a like nationwide basis uh and it would not you know it's not going to confiscate guns from like the the white supremacists that are going to shoot (laughs) up synagogues and stuff it's going to be going with the with the militarized police officers into minority communities and uh just basically militarily occupying them and um i mean that's
3: that's that's a terrifying prospect for anybody Especially when you combine it with the fact that he has enough money to do this completely outside of the normal democratic process. He did not have to compete in Iowa. He didn't have to compete in New Hampshire. And he's just going to jump in in time for Super Tuesday to snatch this away right at the moment when the rest of us have been so fatigued by the, the primaries. Right. We would have worn ourselves out fighting with each other, uh, fighting with Amy Klobuchar's team, fighting with Pete Buttigieg's supporters, fighting with Biden supporters, fighting with Bernie, fighting with Warren. And then all of a sudden, this guy who is unscathed completely just comes in and seizes everything because he's been able to pour three hundred and fifty million dollars into advertising across the super, super Tuesday states. And all of a sudden he has seized our democracy with with, what is equivalent to pocket change.
0: What was it like for you? When this video was released and it started getting mainstream kind of attention to see like people on CNN downplaying the video by pointing to you and saying, oh, it just seems to be from a Bernie Sanders supporter. So who knows what his motivations are? Yeah. Um, was that surreal? Cause I mean like who fucking cares where it comes from or what the motivations are. It's oppo and this happens in politics all the time. And when it gets right. released, no one says, Ooh, we, we better not run with this because of the possible motive, the, the possible motivations of the people sharing it. This never ever applies right. to any videos or audio clips like this that get released, except it for some reason in this circumstance.
3: Well, what's, what's, what's great about that, right? Was, you know, all right, I, I tell the truth too many times. I loved it. I absolutely, it didn't bother me. I loved it. I was actually appreciative of it because I'm like, you have to be fucking stupid to think that that defense is going to fly at all. Like, I mean, for a split second there, for a split second, when I saw the headline, I'm like holy shit. What do they have? Cause even when I know, like, even if you know, you don't have anything out there, right. That, you know, nothing too much. They're going to have to dig really hard to find something on me. It's out there. They just have to work really hard. But for a second there, <laughs> I got really nervous because I'm like, holy shit, what a CNN going to say. And then I heard this completely disingenuous illogical argument from turns out somebody who used to work for Bloomberg. And I'm like, Thank you, my friend. Thank you, because (laughs) everyone else is going to feel like I'm being attacked. I feel like you just gave me exactly what I need to advance the cause of stopping Bloomberg. Right. Yes. Now, anyone I've talked to since then, I've made it clear. I made it clear to CNN uh, when they asked me for comment. I am 100 percent opposed to Bloomberg becoming the nominee, period. There's no question. And that's my right as an American citizen that I can, I can choose who I want to support and I can most certainly choose who I want to oppose. So I make no apologies about my opposition to, um, to Bloomberg. But if you want to know about my motivations, my motivations at the moment really was, wait a minute. I think this is important. Let me share it quite literally. If you want to ask about the timing Man, that was serendipitous as hell. I've never seen something just drop out of the fucking universe at the right time, at the right. I mean, and then it dropped into my lap, which is, what are the odds of it dropping into the lap of a person who's uniquely qualified to take, to run point on this, right? I could run point on opposition against Bloomberg and I have zero dollars. Like, it's like the universe just pulled this thing together. It's like, I could have won the lottery. It would have been more feasible than this audio clip (laughs) dropping in my lap.
0: Well, it was that was one of hilarious thing about the CNN clip too, because it's just like it's not like you're pulling this audio to this, you know, like it was buried or impossible to find. It was on fucking
3: YouTube. YouTube. They just weren't doing their fucking jobs. (laughs) It was on YouTube, man. How many? I mean, we do it all day long, right? Anybody who's in new media, we don't have teams that are going out and recording and investigating and doing this and doing that. No, we have to find our stuff on 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 the internet, and a lot of times that means it's either Twitter or it's YouTube. And so it's like they're literally. I think here's here's my only advantage. The nation had not shifted gears to vetting Michael Bloomberg yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to be like one of the first people who said, "Okay, we've got to do this. And then I turned and I pivoted, I guess. I mean, I have to say before anyone else, because if anyone else had pivoted sooner, they would have found the clip because it was sitting right there. Right, I don't know if they would have gone through the best practices of using some noise reduction tools in the software and boosting the e q dropping the highs and you know I don't know if they're going to go through all that of doing the transcript and then putting some convincing slideshow together. I don't know if they had the relationships to expose it, but that's why I'm like, if you want to question anybody, you better question the universe on this because it was so serendipitous <laughs> that it's absolutely ridiculous
1: yeah so what do you, I mean Benjamin, what do you think about? So the we've we've seen for years people have tried to make uh, Bernie Sanders into this racist ogre because he, you know, look, yeah. he's he's an old guy. <clears throat> he's, he's, he's not quite up to speed on the proper like woke yeah. vernacular. And i like, yeah, sure. I totally admit that. I, I will concede that. Right. I and I
0: think also think in 2016, that... he a didn't have a lot of African-American support, partially because of name recognition. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, leaned really heavily on the class analysis, which is what he's been doing his whole career, but didn't really focus at all at like the criminal justice issues and, and issues that are specifically affecting the black community, which he has kind of come around on.
1: Sorry, go on Jordan. Go Yeah. Ahead.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. What do you think about this kind of flip from, you know, Bernie is this racist monstrosity who uh, doesn't understand an intersectionality to right. hey, you know what we just gotta like turn a blind eye uh here's Bloomberg he's our savior he'll fund everything let's just let's just go with this guy what do you what do you think that says about how people uh, use accusations of race uh, toward uh, leftist candidates or or politicians yeah. or figures like Sanders and their willingness to turn a blind eye to clear like advancements <laughs> in systemic yeah exactly what do you what do you, what do you think that i says? feel
3: like they have done to our parents and our aunties what the hell fox news did to republicans and conservatives oh yeah i, I feel like um yeah i feel like they don't care you all of a sudden you care all of a sudden you don't care that um that this person is not a democrat like he used yeah. to literally be a republican yeah. But you're, he but, spoke so,
0: at the 2004
3: <laughs> Republican national Convention exactly. in favor of George W Bush and and and, and then not only that <laughs> right but but he has made it clear right he's made it clear with everything that he says where he stands on policies he has he has put out opposition to Barack Obama Obamacare uh, allegedly, he told Rupert Murdoch that I think Barack Obama is the most arrogant man that I ever seen in my life. According to a political piece, um, he said all of these things. All of a sudden, we don't care about Me Too. I mean, I, I you know, uh, with all yep. due respect to the Me Too movement and the people who are on the opposite side of this argument with us, we don't care about the Me Too movement now, right? And so it has shown that there is that that same thing that we. Look at conservatives, and we say, How can you be so disingenuous? How can you be so blind? How can you ignore the truth? How can you look at science, climate science, and say it's not real? How can you look at the objective truth and turn a blind eye? Well, holy fuck, it is, it's happened to liberals. Now. Yeah, shit. Well, that's it. It's going to be like the next couple of weeks and months
0: are going to be a very, very interesting test to see. Which of these people actually believe in this stuff when they talk about it, and how many of them were just completely full of shit and they never believed in it they don't believe in anything except their own uh, advancement their own power mm-hmm. uh, it's gonna be interesting because like yeah. like like Jordan and you were saying uh there are some folks who have literally spent the last five years talking about how important uh, things like intersectionality are and having this kind of uh Uh, identity first analysis these people have just repeatedly like this is the hill that they've chosen to die on and there are going to be some of these folks who in the next couple of weeks and months are going to uh support mike bloomberg and it's going to be very very (laughs) illuminating as to how many of these people were actually serious about this stuff and how many of these people were just using it uh as
3: a political uh, as a way to score political points against uh people and policies that they don't like yeah one one of the one of the refreshing things though And it's kind of weird because MSNBC is as much responsible for the um, indoctrination and propagandization of our mothers and our aunts and our fathers. Um, But the irony is, is that some of the best coverage that I've seen taking Bloomberg to task has been from MSNBC, particularly the black anchors. And so I think that there is a threshold of like, listen, I can go with you with on the bullshit for a long time. They've been going with MSNBC on this bullshit narrative of Bernie Sanders not being good on race. They've been going with them. They've been fueling it. Hell, they've been the, yes. leading the charge since 2006, 2015, for that matter. And now all of a sudden there's a bridge too far where Joy Ann can't go. And now she she brings on Mehdi Hassan and she brings on some really good critics who can analyze and dissect the bullshit from the Bloomberg team in real time. And you're seeing some of the best coverage of, of this coming from MSNBC and oddly enough, Fox News. Obviously, they have their agenda there. But it's, it's just it's just it's, it's kind of ironic considering MSNBC created this problem. And now I'm guaranteeing you on MSNBC's Facebook profile right now. There are some middle-aged uh, boomer—not middle-aged because we're—shit, I'm middle-aged. There's some boomers who are in the comment section saying MSNBC has been purchased by Russia now, right? So <laughs> it's coming back to bite them in the ass now that they want to deal with the truth.
0: Has anyone accused you of being a, a Russian yes. A disinformatia?
3: Yes, a couple of times. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys remember the Krasnetson twins. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, Krasinski. yes. What were they— Wait, I know... There's Ken Klippenstein and then there's a Krasistens. Well, Ken's... Yeah, they're
0: all all brothers. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's correct.
3: (laughs) That's correct. All right. The three Krasistens. Ken is banned from the show. Lifetime ban on the show. Yeah. So... The the twins, the twin brothers, not not Ken, but the twin brothers, um, they're back on Twitter with their through, through their wife. So Yeah, their
0: fake wife account. Yeah. That's
3: great. Um <laughs> uh, she accused us of being uh Russian. Uh Christine Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, accused us of being Russian. And then oh um God. like every person on every person who disagrees with us on Facebook, they've accused us being of being Russian. Yeah, and Christine Pelosi, she's like a DNC chair. Like, she's not just some nobody. Exactly. She's a very powerful woman, <laughs> and and she's jumping in there saying it's, um, that this has to be Russia. This yeah. is no different than when Trump just summarily dismisses everything as fake news. Fake news, exactly. Yeah. Insane. It happened to us. It ha- And you know what? I have to... Listen, I've been... I've had to take a couple of steps back and kind of eat my words a couple of times since 2016, well, no, 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 since 2020, right? <laughs> in the last two months, I've had to really think about some things that I've been wrong about. one of the things that I was wrong about was going, um, just going give up him a against sec. Glenn Greenwald every now and then when he insisted oh. that this was going to be a bigger problem. The narrative around Russia was going to be a bigger problem in the long run. And I'm like, Glenn, I started to buy into him I'm like, Glenn, what are your real motivations here, Glenn? And now I have to sit back and be like, holy shit, that dude was a prophet because it's all coming to bear now. It's all coming to bear. The MSNBC, it's eating MSNBC up. The anchors want yeah. to tell the truth, but I know their audience is tearing them a new one. And it's all because they were doing exactly what people like uh, like Glenn was saying. And, and you know, we some of us missed it. I missed it because I was like, you know, there is something to Russiagate, yes, so let's investigate it. But he was like, there is something there, but how they're doing it is going to be a bigger problem for for us in the future. And who knew the future was going to be just a year later?
0: Yeah. Like, it's not it doesn't mean that it's good that Trump kind of openly solicits help from foreign governments. Right. But the way that the media establishment has ran with this uh, and the way that like the Democratic Party has kind of uh, all these like spooks and other people have started to have all this influence in it because of this, yes. this kind of narrative and the way that they've been able to just basically summarily dismiss anything they don't like uh, for that reason. I think I, I, yeah, I agree that, that, that is one really, really negative effect that that whole investigation has had on everything. Yeah. I actually got accused of it too, because after the night of the Iowa caucus, I, I tweeted mayor hashtag mayor cheat. And then that ended up. Becoming like a, a big trending topic. So then I had people accusing me of being a, a disinformatia oh, you as came well. Up with that. The next day. Yeah. I didn't come up with it. I saw, I saw Jack Allison and I, I think Randy, uh, Twitter user Randy uh, tweeting about it. And so I, I tweeted about it, but I guess what, yeah, I was the. It. I was yeah, the, uh, yeah. the influencer that, that was able to, yeah. to get it, yeah. get it going.
3: I mean, and, and that's the thing, right? So I, I mean, shout out to the guy who actually recorded the audio. He was the author in, and actually, uh, while we talk, I'll go find his, his name, but he was the author of the Aspen times piece. And that's what I missed. I did not connect the fact that the, uh, Aspen times piece author was the same guy who recorded the audio. Um, I think his name is Kirk or something like that, but, um, You know, it had been sitting there for five years. And sometimes it just, it really does take someone with enough relationships, right? It was the fact that I could jump in you you guys' DMs and say, hey, share this for me. The fact that I could share it with Chris Hayes. And after he took about a whole day (laughs) to search it for himself, he went ahead and came back and shared it, right? I was able to (laughs) jump in with Roland Martin, um, uh, with Jamel Bowie. Like I just, over the years, I've developed and cultivated these relationships where people know. People know if Ben Dixon is jumping in your DMs, it's not with a bullshit, share this and amplify me so I can get more followers. It's like, if I ask you for a favor, then this is the first time I've asked you for a favor. So it has to be significant. And I only say that because to answer to what you're saying about Mayor cheats, right? Influence is, influence matters. You have to have the relationships to expose these these things because otherwise we're all a bunch of uh, voices shouting in the wind. Somebody has to be able to, uh, yeah. able to amalgamate those voices. Yep. Great. Well, uh,
0: Benjamin, thank you so much for coming on the program to to break this stuff down. And we appreciate the uh, the work you did on on getting this info out here. And, um, you know, a lot of a lot of what we're focusing on this episode is whether we you know, the people on social media can have an actual impact on this and whether we can uh, torpedo Bloomberg's campaign. And I got to say, you've you, you dealt him a pretty serious blow. Uh, and we're going to keep pushing and seeing if we can get this fucking ghoul to uh, to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not become not buy his way into the That's presidency right. of the united
3: states just go enjoy, go enjoy your billions man leave the rest of us to do something good for society gentlemen thanks so much for having me benjamin where can people find you online um at benjamin p dixon on uh twitter and then you can listen to the podcast anywhere from spotify to iHeartRadio, itunes everywhere in between awesome thank you man